Hey everyone, welcome to the Four Goats and a Mic podcast with me, Ari, Kara, Jasmine, Bees. Everyone say what's up and stop making background noise. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. What's up, everybody? So uh, we don't really have much planned, so we just have one like topic, and then I think we'll just kind of go from there. I am wildly hungover today. Oh, happy Mother's Day also to our listeners. Yeah, yeah happy Mother's mothers, Day to all the moms. Mother figures. Right? So Love the mommies. I won't be drinking today, but I think the others are partaking in their vices of choice. I'm going to try not to throw up. (laughs) So today we're going to get started with what work-life balance looks like for us as far as COVID-19 and what our day-to-day kind of looks like during the pandemic. And then, you know, this might be a short episode, shit, or it might be long. We'll see where it goes. So I feel like picking on Jasmine because I want to. (laughs) Jack, go for it. Uh, What's the question? Work-life balance? Oh, here we fucking go. We're old as shit. (laughs) What work-life balance um, looks like for us during the pandemic? And just tell us, like, what does your day-to-day look like, you know, from when you wake up and shit till you go to bed? Uh, Nothing really changed for me other than the fact uh, before I was going into the office Monday through Wednesday, and then I was working from home Thursday, Friday. But of course, now I'm working um, from home Monday through Friday. But nothing really changed. Like, same thing. I wake up. Uh, I check my emails. Most of the time, I have, like, a, a conference call 9 or 10 a.m. with my team. And then between probably, like, 11 and maybe, like, 3 in the afternoon, I'm just working, whether it's client stuff or I'm working on my 9 to 5 stuff, um, getting together like marketing materials and things like that um after that it's probably i'm probably answering emails that i was ignoring the first half of the day towards the the last part of my day and then um, i'm actually taking a um this hard ass motion graphics course right now so after that i usually spend like two three hours um making graphics and stuff like that and that's usually like my days seven days a week i don't even think i have a work-life balance really uh <laughs> my work is my life and I kind of like it that way. Um, I make time for the most important people in my life and it's working right now. So I'm good with it. I'll go next. Um, as far as work-life balance, I mean, most of you know, uh, due to COVID, I'm no longer working in the film industry just for temporarily until we get back to whenever that is. Whenever the CDC stops the ban on 250 people or more gatherings, I can go back to work. But since COVID has kind of shut everything down, I'm, I just work everything from home. I still do my real estate from home. I cold call just about every morning. Uh, placing my cold calls, you know, just placing my feelers out. Um, I call all my park managers and stuff, see if they have any inventory on deck or if they have any homes that they're trying to get rid of, or maybe they know of anybody in the area that's trying to get rid of them. Sometimes I do drive out, but it's very rare that I drive out to the mobile homes now just because a lot of park managers aren't even in the office right now. So heavily leaning on emails and phones and things like that. I'm also working on another book for FSO. So that's been like two or three, four hours every day writing. Uh, and then Thanks to cousin, House Hunter 216. Shout out to her. Uh, I've been shadowing a, a home inspector for like the past year just so I can get better knowledge of homes and like the conditions they're in and everything. And I never thought to actually become a home inspector until Nita was like, no, you're leaving money on the table. Um, you know, with, if you're doing wholesale deals, you're doing real estate deals, you can just be the person that does this. So currently I'm studying to pass my uh, test. I'm thinking I'm going to take my test in about two weeks here for my home inspector's cert so that I can start inspecting all the homes that my sister and my aunt have been paying other people 550 
to do. So that's me right now. About to get into that. <laughs> she paid, they, they paid like five fifty per home inspection. And they were mad that I've been shadowing home inspectors and didn't even take my test. They're like, what, what are you talking, what are you doing? We've been paying this other dude five fifty. We could just been paying you. So that's what I'm working on right now. I'll have that in a couple weeks and then I'll just be doing that. Shout out to cousin. I love keeping shit in the family. That makes me so happy. Right? Oh my God. Go ahead, B. All right. Yeah. So for me, um, so COVID, what it changed for me, uh, I think, I guess we talked about it on here before. I was supposed to deploy, so I didn't deploy over to the Middle East. Um, so I've just been home since March. Um, I had took like two weeks off to deploy, uh, I think, March 24th or something like that. So I've been off work since March 5th. And um, so I've just been home just chilling and working, helping out with another team. Uh, I've been getting paid. I've been getting paid the whole time. Um, so I've just been helping out with this team a little bit. Uh, but like in terms of business wise, day to day, it's just like I've just been just trying to keep up with the content, trying to make new emails, stay consistent on my weekly emails. I'm trying my best. Ari, she's kind of frozen, <laughs> but uh, trying my best right now to stay up with the weekly emails and um, came out with a new investing guide for free if people want to download that. Um, they can go download it at um, uh, store.capitalsb.com slash M1. <laughs> Ari's laughing at me. <laughs> I got too many websites. Uh, but yeah, so that's just how it's been for me. And I've just been keeping up with um, any any type of questions people ask. Like I've been getting a bunch of DMs lately, a um, little a few emails. Uh, so just keeping up with that. But uh, yeah, so I should be deploying soon, hopefully within the next two weeks. So uh, once I deploy, I'll be back to working overseas and then just back to the day to day grind, working like 11 hour days. Um, I think I've said this a few times. Um, my day to day really hasn't changed much outside of always being home. You know, usually I just like leave to travel for something, whether it's to visit family or go do ratchet activities with my friends, <laughs> something business related, or like go out to eat once a week or get my nails done. So other than that, like we're used to just being home a lot more than most people. So it wasn't too difficult of a lifestyle change outside of those things. And then I guess the things that I'm doing are definitely different. Like I'm absolutely more focused on building my personal brand and selling, you know, my course, my membership, doing my affiliate sales and stuff instead of client work. And then um, I started one-on-one -on -one coaching, business coaching, and that's taking up a lot of my time. I probably have like 20 hours worth of calls a week. So that's kind of where the membership was born out of because that is way too many calls. I like to just do two calls a day on Tuesday and Thursday and then not talk to anybody else. <laughs> and I'm pretty much talking to people like every day so that I could break up you know, their concentration of calls and be able to get other things done. Um, and I've just been on a binge for creating content, really. I want to create as much content as possible while I have downtime while I'm home because after that third or fourth wave hits, I'm going to be in the streets. Like, I'm going to be out traveling. I'm going back to nomad life, you know. Um, I'll never going to take, uh, take for granted my ability to go like see people and do shit and go have fun outside ever again. Like I'm done being a homebody for a minute. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, and it's, I think this is just like my put your head down and grind season, you know, get certs, create content, build your brand, uh, because I am going to start trying to have a baby next year, get pregnant next year. So <laughs> Tara, <laughs> that is the plan so far. She said, no, nah. <laughs> that's the plan. So, um, yeah, that's, he's got to have another yacht party before you get pregnant. I'll be pregnant Please. on the yacht too. <laughs> Girl. They could be calling you a bad mom. I was about to say, that's going to be the biggest drag in your life on social media. They've done it before. I got called a Good. bad mom for letting my son uh, have cotton candy for the first time while we were at a theme park. <laughs> 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 they said I was poisoning my child. Oh, wow. <laughs> so fuck it. <laughs> so. I mean, what else do we want to talk about? Should we just end it here? Keep it. <laughs> That's a little too short. We got to talk about kidding. something. A theme park. Cotton candy. candy. Not the people with giving their babies juice in the in the damn bottle. And riding out their tea. Right? <laughs> people what? got all the answers for everybody but themselves. Mm-hmm. Man. 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 Did y'all see your moms today? Or did you stay home and kick it? Man, it's a lot of FaceTime. Mm -hmm. A lot of FaceTime action went on today, man. A lot of FaceTime action. Yeah, I just talked (laughs) to my mom for like a couple of hours this morning, but no, I didn't get to see her. Yeah, I didn't get to see my mom either. Holidays are going to be lit when everything is back up and open. I feel like People are really going to make an effort to like show up and do stuff together. I don't know about y'all, but I've been talking to my family, even friends, a lot more, keeping in touch, like a lot more than usual and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. My dad calls me out of the blue like every other day. (laughs) (laughs) What you doing? I'm like, nothing. What you doing? Hold on, hold on. (laughs) Yeah, no, I talk to my dad a lot more. That's crazy because last night he just hit me up and just flooded my inbox with like all these baby pictures of me he's got like thousands of baby pictures so definitely been talking to family a lot more my uncle was on the phone last night for like an hour and a half just talking about real estate which is crazy because he blew my mind on a couple of levels but <laughs> we can get into that later on in the show <laughs> somebody asked us a question i believe Oh, they asked if we're up or down or bearish or bullish after the Bitcoin halvening. Hey, man. I love the corn. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I love the corn. <laughs> Bitcoin, corn, coin, corn. It's the same thing. I love the corn. So, I mean, I'm always dollar cost average my Bitcoin. I always be buying bitcoins because I made a lot of money in bitcoin. So I'm not telling everybody else you got to go buy a lot of bitcoin. But I always, you know, keep an eye on bitcoin. As far as all that other stuff, I don't even know what my out bag look like right now because I ain't even looking at. It. <laughs> what your what bag look like? My out the altcoins, man. I ain't looked at that oh. in a minute. I ain't nah. looking at my. I ain't even opening up Delta. Not opening up right. Delta. None of that. <laughs> yeah, I had just sold some coins recently. I had sold them. I was like, ah. But that was right before like Bitcoin went crazy again. So I, I saw people were talking about um they were saying like Chainlink was going crazy and stuff like that. And I was like, dang, I just sold that stuff, but I can't I even had to sell it. 
yeah, I can't even look at that stuff anymore. I remember there was a time where I had a whole list and I was checking them every day, like Wan, Dragon, and Ubik, and uh, what's the other one? Uh, Smart Cash and all of that. And I was uh-huh. doing it every day. <laughs> Master Nose and all that stuff. I don't do that anymore. You don't even I talk mean, about those anymore. Master Nose lost Master so much Nose. money. Made some money, but lost a Lost ton. so much <laughs> Uh, uh, IPOs. I, I I did. I I mean, I remember I bought into the WAN, WAN like a little bit at IPO, and then I bought more when it dropped. And oh yeah, yeah. I lost, I I lost some money on. I lost some money on that one just trying to hold on to it for a little. Like, lost the rest, of, yeah, for too long because I thought it was still gonna do something. But like a lot of them coins just dropped all the way off. And for some yeah. reason, I have a I have a bag. I call it submarines. <laughs> it was like ain't never Chronos, come back. It's like Chronos. Uh, <laughs> ZR, what's that? ZRX and TRX and some Citron is in there. <laughs> a bunch of stupid coins that I just was doing stupid shit with. For some reason, that bag is worth like $500 now. I don't even know how. Some of those coins must have been jumping. I'm about to cash them all out for Bitcoin. No lie. Like, we right. get off this call. <laughs> yeah, I just think that a lot of altcoins, I don't know, people have been saying alt season is back for the past two and a half years. And I just mm-hmm. don't see it coming back because a lot of the regular people that got in ended up losing their money. And once regular people lose their money, they're like, I'm not touching that shit again. So mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't know. I don't see it. Like we know institutions are in on Bitcoin and Litecoin mm-hmm. and ETH and stuff like that. But I still don't see them coming back. Like I, I think Bitcoin might be able to hit 20K again, but all that like 100K Bitcoin talk ever since it's been institutionalized, I don't know about all that. Like they, they run and, you know, they control the market now. Yeah. And then you got the like the fact that we, we basically saw how incompetent a lot of these teams behind these coins were. You know, we was reading like white papers and all that. And a lot of them ran off with the money. You know, yep. a lot of them was or a lot of them dumped on people like, hey, buy this coin, buy this coin, buy this coin. And then the owners of the coin straight dumped their bag on everybody. So <laughs> for me personally, I'm not even fucking with it. Yeah, I'm not fucking with a lot of altcoins because there's a lot of these mm-hmm. random teams behind them and random people. And, you know, a lot of them scam and then the pay groups. Usually the pay group, the person that's running the pay group, he got a huge bag of some shitty coin and then he start pumping that bag into the group. Like, y'all should get this. Y'all should get this. It's only like two pennies each, you know, some shit like that. And then everybody buys into it and then he dumps his whole bag on them. Like, why are they right. trying to buy in? We've seen it happen multiple times. So Look, I'm about to get back in. He is the future. That's how I'm about to be a millionaire. XRP. You heard it here. Girl. You heard it here Girl, first. Maybe Girl, I've never 2020. Like, I was the first $4, person to say $5. it. <laughs> I, was I remember when people were telling me Ripple was going to $10 a coin. I said, it's no way. It's like $6 billion Ripple coins. It's like, <laughs> I remember people were here. saying it was going to 100 I was like, 100. y'all fucking big crack. So tenth, y'all heard it here. I'm going to become a millionaire off this shit. Watch. Supply and demand. <laughs> it's all about supply and demand. You look at Bitcoin, it's 21 million of them. It's really only like 17 million of them because the rest of them lost on hard drives. They're lost and scammed off. Of, what, Mt. Gox? Mt. Gox, that yeah. Yeah. they yep, took yep. like so much of them way 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 back in the day when bitcoin was like 30 dollars a coin they was stealing bitcoin from people's accounts so it's like uh a lot of yeah. these coins when they had when they show me a coin it's like 700 million coins you know what i'm saying and, and they're like oh these are going to a hundred thousand a piece they're not they're not it's all about supply and demand it's scarcity scarcity of bitcoin is only 21 million total and a lot of them is lost you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of people people spend their Bitcoin on altcoins, and now Binance holding a lot of Bitcoin, and Bitmex holding a lot of Bitcoin. Bitmex, they got a lot of right. They got so a I, lot of Bitcoin, so it's scarcity. That's all it is. Yeah, and and I noticed that a lot of old 
crypto people from 2017 that went missing once the crash happened are back. Like I keep seeing them pop up on my timeline, like one by one, people who haven't tweeted literally in two years. I'm going to just let you know that a lot of people are back just to get referral money, just to try to scam you to get you into their group. And it's just all BS. Watch out for that type of stuff. Don't pay for any of that. Like a lot of these dudes, they don't even be making money off of like trading. They make most of their money off of affiliates and um, like referrals or just straight up scamming. Yeah, what they do is they'll tell you, like, they'll show you a bunch of fake trades or, you know, they'll make a bunch of fake trades. Like, you could put anything into your Delta or your Blockfolio app. I could say I bought 15,000 Bitcoin today, and I could show you my bag will look like I have 15,000 Bitcoin in it. And then I can be like, da 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 I did this, I traded this. Here's my referral link to BitMEX where you can trade Bitcoin with crazy leverage, you know, over 50 times leverage, something like that. And then people will click on my referral link, and then BitMEX or Binance will literally pay me Bitcoin because you're using my referral link the same way that, that Robinhood pays you in stock when you use your referral link. So those people don't actually trade. They just come up with, you know, screenshots and stuff. And then they, they get people same way people get people in e-com. Like here's my Shopify store screenshot, you know, those are the easy screenshots to be scam fake. Yep. and they be fake. And then they'll just be like, here's how you can do it. And they sell your course. And people have been doing this for years. Crypto Twitter, just really, really, really good at it. I've seen people, you know, the top of the leaderboards on, uh, on uh, Binance, it does 116 Bitcoin total, like 1,000 Bitcoin earned off of referrals. Off of straight referrals. Yep. Like, they have straight up referral businesses. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it. Um, I, don't, I don't really look at my portfolio. I just buy every month. But it's probably down overall. I don't know. I don't pay it. Bees just said, buy these three things each month for you and Silas and just hold it. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's probably up now. If you've yeah. just been buying every month, it should be up. Yeah, I don't know. I got to check, but I'm locked out of my, I'm not going to say where they're held. <laughs> yeah, the best you thing to do is just buy, a, buy it and hold it and wait until it goes up. Like a lot of people don't have experience in trading and Bitcoin is not something where you can just predict it to go up. Like literally I've been like, oh, it's about to break. It's about to break resistance. It's about to break resistance. And no, it don't break. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, buy it hold on to it if it goes up that's what i did you know we we was it was october i think october 2017 it was like five bands six bands we was just buy, buying every week little by little yep. and then when it hit 19k 18k we sold it we sold it on the way up and then you know when it went back down we wasn't really hurting that much because it's like we be, we make weekly buys and we make monthly buys so we're not just like oh bitcoin went they, it's going up let me just buy a bunch of bitcoin oh it went back down now i'm down you know what i'm saying we always right. bought like do, we, just, we call it dollar cost averaging you just keep buying like a little by little you'll always right. come up right yeah that's what i talked about in my investing guide just dollar cost average like it's so many people out here trading like doing regular stock trading trying to do forex trying to trade uh trying to do options and they out here losing their money like you better off just buying every two weeks or whenever you get paid or once a month and then just consistently doing that, you're going to make way more money because I'm sure you yep. lose the money. I'm sure you are. Like, I mean, I'll be seeing people saying like, oh man, I, I just lost $700 off this one option. They got to make that back. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like, you got to make that back. Like that's you down $700 like versus just continuously buying. Like option trading is not for rookies. Like that's not what you should be jumping into straight off of. You don't know anything about stocks. You're going straight into options. That and like day trading, 
Like if you just cut, like I've seen it, I've seen this multiple times and I try not to call people out or not really call them out or try to tell them it's wrong. But like, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, you know, now that I'm at home or I lost my job, I'm just going to start trading. I'm like, there is no just start trading. You're not going to be profitable. Like day trading is not something that you just do. And it just happens in, you know, a couple of weeks. It's people that day trade and they don't actually get winning trades for months. You know what I'm saying? Like they paper trade for a little bit and then they get into something bigger where they start uh, funding their own account. But like, if you think you just bought the hop in options, because you see all these people with these screenshots on the timeline that, you know, they've been doing it, you know, some of these people actually trade a stock, just regular stock before some of these people traded Forex before some of these people traded crypto before. You're not just gonna look at some candlestick charts and get it because you see it going up in the air. Oh, I know it now it's going down. It's a head and shoulders or some shit like that. Like you're not, it's not that easy. <laughs> I don't think people understand that though. No, nah, they don't. And that's how that's how people ended up <laughs> losing a lot of money when oil went down. Like people were buying oil options and then having to take delivery of the oil, like ended up buying stuff they have no idea what they're doing. Like I just bought buddy's, the regular just mutual fund. Right. Yeah, I just bought the regular just ETF and called it a day. Like mm-hmm. I'm not buying any oil options. Like I saw the article where it said that somebody had um he bought some uh some shares of oil at like mm-hmm. uh one penny and mm-hmm. his broker was like lagging and he woke up the next morning and when he bought at a penny he woke up the next morning it was at negative 34 dollars he owed the broker nine million dollars the next morning mm-hmm. <laughs> like that stuff is real like you just can't be out here playing or the dude that bought the oils contracts he bought like a bunch of oil contracts and stuff and didn't realize that he had nowhere to store the store the oil so yeah, now he, he bought got the this wrong dude contracts call, mm-hmm, he bought the he got wrong this dude ones. calling him like yo you are you are subject to this contract you signed off on this contract you need to let us know we're about to send this hundred thousand barrels of oil and he desperately calling <laughs> around all these all these places like can i store oil and they're like no nah, we full because most of the oil depositories in, in america in the world right now are full because everybody's holding on to the oil because nobody's driving you know what i'm saying so he's stuck and now he's probably going to get sued. I guarantee he's going to get sued. You don't do that. <laughs> don't trade what you don't understand. Look, if you're in doubt, keep it in your savings account. Just just, just keep it in your savings account. I guarantee you it's going to be much safer there. I know it's slow money, but if you're ever in doubt about trading or any of that or investments, just keep it in your account. If, you, if you're going to be scared to lose it, don't even do it. Right. Yeah. Everybody wants the fast money. Fast money mm-hmm. is not, it's not safe. It's risky. And if you don't know what you're doing, you're about to lose a lot of money. Yeah. We was playing on BitMEX, but we are like Binance, all those other exchanges that we were on. We were playing on there, but like we were playing with money that we didn't care to lose. Like I've definitely lost a thousand dollars in Bitcoin just trying to be, you know, trying to trade. Trying to figure leverage. out what's going on. Right. Yeah. I was on BitMEX gone. just typing in stuff and i was like bye i was like oh this is nice sell oh shit you know like <laughs> tell me what did i just do why is it right. going down you know like oh well let me just put it back in my wallet i ain't even gonna fuck with it right now right so, you know like <laughs> it happens but that happened with money that i did not care about you know what i'm saying so most of the money that i put into bitcoin was like a little bit of money that i was taking out of my paycheck like 50 dollars here 60 dollars here and i was buying it and then i was you know when it went up a little bit i was taking my profit and then taking it to the exchange and trading with my profit. You know what I'm saying? So I put my money back in my bank account and used the profits and traded with that. So if I lost that, yeah, I was butthurt, but it wasn't like money that was actually supposed to be in my bank account. A lot of people are trading with money they do not have, especially 
right now where we about to hit 50 million people unemployed and you don't even know if your company going to be open in two or three months, you might want to hold on to your bread. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people forget the first rule of investing is don't invest what you cannot afford to lose. Like nothing's guaranteed. So you just can't be out here investing like, oh, I'm just about to make a quick flip real quick. Like I'm going to make a quick flip real quick. And then I'm going to have my money and I'm going to be able to do this and do that. Like if Mm -hmm. it go the other way, you're not going to have that. Uh, you're just going to lose money. So, but you know, if you, if you be out here and you, you study, you learn, you take your time, like you start small and work your way up, you will be successful. But like people just come in right out the gate and getting into things, they have no idea what they're doing. Like it's not as easy as it looks. That's why you'll see people get into options. Shoot, even me, I don't touch options anymore. I don't care if I know for sure, like the, the stock is going up. I don't even touch options. Like I got lucky. My first option play was off AMD. I made like $250 off of, I think I, I think I put in like $30, made like $250. And I ended up losing after within the next two months, I ended up losing like $350. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'm done with this. So I don't even touch options no more because like you can put in some money and you'll lose 99% of what you put in like within a couple minutes if it goes the opposite way. That's what people don't realize. Like, if you don't understand those dates, the the deltas and the thetas and the Greeks and all that stuff, which I don't understand and a lot of people don't even talk about, you're going to lose money quick. So I just, I do my dollar cost averaging and that's about it. And I do my long-term holding and I don't, I don't mess with the options. I don't mess with the day trading. And then like, you can't even day trade if you don't have 25,000 in your account. So let's start there. You can't even day trade for real if you don't have 25 bands in your account. Your account, yep. <laughs> so, like, really, but come on. If people want to read the horror stories, they're, they're on Reddit of people that use their credit card to buy Bitcoin and trade or people that took out another mortgage on their house to trade Forex or buy into stock or day trade. There's so many horror stories right now of people on there, like a bunch of dudes. I remember this happened during Bitcoin. These probably remember when dudes were like, yo, uh, my wife is going to kill me. I lost $100,000 trading in Bitcoin. Da, 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 da. I took out a personal loan, all kinds of crazy stuff like that. I've seen it in not just Bitcoin, but Forex options, uh, just regular stock people saying, oh, this company going to go crazy. And they done put all this money down. And right. now they ass out. Yeah. I, I even heard of somebody, like I didn't know him, but I heard of a coworker from my other coworkers. So my friends that I worked with, I heard about some guy that, uh, that was working overseas, he ended up cashing out his whole 401k and put it into Bitcoin at 19,000. What you, what you think that did? That went down to $3,000. He lost all his 401k money because he went all in at Bitcoin at 19,000. And then he That's sold at the bottom. Wild. Then he sold. He sold. He didn't even hold it? No, he sold it. He lost all his money. He it went down from, from 19k to 3k and he was like, I can't take it. He sold. Yep. So many stories like that. That is so wild, man. Like, I couldn't imagine. And see, that's crazy because I had sell orders for my Bitcoin at 20,000, 20,500, 21,000, 22,000. We were stacking the sales. We were ready to sell. And then literally hit like 19,826 or something. And that red bar just came out of nowhere and dropped. And I was like, shit. <laughs> and I, I ain't selling no 20,000 Bitcoin today. That's not going to happen. And I thought, okay, maybe next week. Nope. It went, I watched it go down for a whole year. Yep. <laughs> yep. That, ooh, that was crazy. Everything was all good till it wasn't. 
until it wasn't. We we watched it go from a thousand to nineteen and change, and then crash back down in to a matter three. of so, a year. In a matter of a year. Well, thank you for the right. <laughs> we don't but we don't been through some shit. <laughs> <laughs> been through a lot of shit, man. Jazz, you trade? Are you own any coins? Hell no. All I got is, I got XRP, I just told you. Oh, she got his Ripple. <laughs> she really got Ripple. Yo. <laughs> I, got, I got a few coins. I got some Bitcoin. Um, I got a few, like, other, like, altcoins. I heard you're not really supposed to talk about, like, what you got. Is that true? Yeah, you shouldn't be talking about how much you have, like, how many oh, okay. coins you have and stuff like that. But you can talk about, like, yeah, I got Ripple. I got Bitcoin. But you just shouldn't yeah. be like, yeah, I got 20 Bitcoin or I have... No, you shouldn't just talk about how much you have, period. Because right. it just makes you a target. Don't be like that dude. I forgot where he was, but, you know, basically he was on the internet like, yeah, I got 21 Bitcoin and I live at 32 Wallace Way, Sydney and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> they came over there they and they ran held up him at on gunpoint. Him. They held him at oh, gunpoint and made him put in his passwords. Yes. This yeah, happened like no two joke. or three times. They mm-hmm. made him put in his passwords and they emptied his, his wallets. Yeah, that happens to influencers too. Like the influencers mm-hmm. that be showing how much Bitcoin and how many, like how much crypto they have. Mm-hmm. People will run up on you. They're going to run up in your crib and they're going to put you, you gonna, they're going to hold you at gunpoint and tell you empty the wallets. Empty and they're going to kill you if you don't. So you're going to give it up. Mm-hmm. It was, a, I think it was a teenager. He was like 19 or something, had all this Bitcoin. He was trading and he was like doing like virtual games with it and, you know, tip jars and stuff. And he'd be bragging, like, I got all these Bitcoin. And he would uh, take all these pictures of the Rolexes and stuff. They figured out where he lived, ran up on him, put the pistol on him, and emptied his accounts. Yeah. Wow. Another reason why people, everybody should not know where you live. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, that's the reason why I was anonymous for so I do, I do. I mean, Uh uh, to me, I treat the coins, I guess, just as investments. Like, I don't plan to trade or nothing like that. Like, I mm-hmm. buy some more every so often. Like, if I see that there's, like, a, I guess what's called a dip. <laughs> but, like, I'm not going to front, like, yeah, I do X, Y, Z, because I know I just be talking. Sh- well, I know I'm about to be a millionaire off of XRP, but. <laughs> I, I mean, I buy it because I think, like, I, I believe in it, the whole concept. So, like, I definitely invest in it. And, of course, like, I believe in uh, blockchain probably being the future. So, blockchain be in the future all right do you have any more questions on that spreadsheet yeah hold on there might be a question we didn't answer last time oh okay Mm -hmm. so tamara asked do you all separate your private social media family friends etc from your business social media and then can you monetize your idea without social media that's a good one yeah Um, absolutely i separate all that shit I started low-key getting mad when people found my Instagram through, like, Tirza and probably Ari or whoever else. Wow, hateful. But, like, I definitely separate that. Like, I had two different Twitters. Um, Most y'all have my, like, non-regular. I think Bees and Ari are probably the only one that have my (laughs) other one. We bullied her for that one. I tried to separate We did. She was like, do not at me. <laughs> right. That's this one. Don't I've like never anything. Added. Yeah, never added, never liked. Just be looking like, yeah, yeah, Jazz. I see what she's talking about. I like that. People <laughs> are <laughs> weird online to me. And then people, people are weird. People just, they're just like weird. And then like, I be wanting to say like some stuff. And I just rather not say that on my account that has 
She be she was talking nasty on the bird. <laughs> She'd be tweeting dirty lyrics. Wow. Girl. Oh, y'all gonna have to slide me that at. <laughs> I'll send it to you in the <laughs> That's funny. Uh for me personally, like I don't let everybody follow my Instagram just because all my sisters and my aunt and everything is on there. So like if I know you personally, like I'll let you follow me on Instagram, but like I mean, as soon as I started getting all these followers on Twitter, I'll get all these follower requests on Instagram. And it's like the same names and stuff too. So I like try to look out for that. I don't even look at my follower request tab really because so many people have requested to follow me. And I just try to do that to shield my sisters because, you know, they didn't ask for all the drama and Mm -hmm. stuff. And I I wouldn't want anybody going at my sisters over something that I tweeted, you know? I definitely keep it like on Facebook. I have a personal Facebook that, my grandmother and my dad and my stepmom and like everybody is friends with me on. I'm not ever going to add anybody on that Facebook. I have like 15 friends total. And then I have for stackers only Tara, which is like the business Facebook. So people can still like get to me on Facebook. But for the most part, I keep everything separate just because I mean, y'all know Twitter is ugly. People are ugly on there. So I try to keep my family away from that. I, I, mine's combined. My family uses social media and stuff. They're all on social media. They're not hard to find. I'm not hard to find, you know, and my family is like me. You get out of pocket, we'll cuss you out. (laughs) So you could try to play my sister. You could try to play my mom. You could try to play my dad, but you know, good luck. Y'all think I'm bad. (laughs) Like, who do you think I learned from? So, um, I don't at them. I probably don't like, I don't follow them or anything on like Twitter. They don't really use Twitter to begin with. My sister doesn't like it. My dad doesn't get it, you know? So they're, they're on social media, but they're not on social media. And like, I don't know, they wouldn't really like care. Right. If someone tried some shit, we're all like confrontational people. (laughs) So (laughs) you saying you're ready for all the smoke. Basically. 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 <laughs> and, and like, see, I just, my mom, my sister, and me, like, we can all fight. So, <laughs> like, whatever. Um, and then part, like, my brand, I don't separate, like, the brand from my personal. I don't want to manage that many different accounts or anything like that. And, like, this is who I am. If you're going to do business with me, you should know how I am. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like in person, I'm probably more toned down uh you know them like I tweet that my tweets are just really like the shit I be thinking during the day you know but mm-hmm. um in person I, mean, I feel you, like you I'm much more mellow <laughs> yeah I'm she much definitely more mellow talks like person. she tweets guys <laughs> right <laughs> just to you <laughs> oh I feel special what was the second part of I, there was a second part of the question Wait, wait, I didn't answer first. Yeah, yeah. Can be hold, hold on. I don't know what the yeah. second part was. It was Yeah, that's all some what was it? Can you can you monetize your idea without social media? Oh, okay. okay. Harder. Go ahead, Bees. Yeah. Um so for me, you already know, like I'm I was anonymous on Twitter. Um <laughs> a lot of people might not know that I'm not anonymous anymore, but you can scroll through the media if you want to see that. Uh, but I, I don't really keep it separate. Like I keep all my business stuff with my Twitter, like, but the only thing I keep separate is my IG, like Tara said, um, because I'm not, I'm not ready for my family to be like scrutinized yet or anybody to really see who my family is and then try to like get at them to get at me. So I'm just not ready for that yet. Um, 
but yeah, business wise, you know, I keep it all the same. Nobody has time to be trying to manage two separate pages. And then when you got a business page that nobody follows, nobody about to see your tweets anyway. So like, you know how much work that is trying to build up a business page. And then if you're trying to do a personal brand too, like you got two separate pages that you have to talk about two different things, like whatever you're trying to build your brand for on your personal page, you ain't going to be able to do it on your business page because it's going to be two separate audiences. Your business most likely is going to be different from your personal brand. So I think that if you just show your personality with your business, I think that's just best. So then you just mix in your business stuff with your personal stuff. And then now you got your personal brand that intertwines with your business. Um, that's, that's how I like to move. As far as like the monetizing part, I think social media is critical, especially because like we're in a pandemic now. So all we have is social media for marketing and connecting and networking and stuff. Mm -hmm. So you're really dropping a bag by ignoring social media. And I mean, even if you're going to do ads and not necessarily have a profile, you're going to have less customers and conversions because people want to go and see who you are and what you're about and your content, right? Um, so I feel like it's necessary unless you're going to focus on in-person stuff, which isn't possible right now. Right. And it's, ex uh -huh. it's free to be on social media. So why not take advantage of being on a platform for free or you literally have access to millions of people? Right. Yeah. I think Chris was talking about that too. She was like, you know, email marketing is changing. Now everybody needs to be more personal. And so like, I'm pretty sure a lot of businesses, they're getting blindsided with this because they never did anything social media wise. You got boomers who barely know how to work a computer. So they like, this is a whole new realm for them. So they going from all word of mouth to having to go digital and having to market their brand digitally. Cause like, think about it. Imagine if you had a business, right? And now you have to do everything, takeout, delivery, and nobody knows that you're doing takeout or delivery. Like you just got a sign outside of your shop that says, we're open, we're doing takeout. Not that many people are probably going to come outside your shop unless, especially right now, <laughs> like people in the house. So you got to go online and go find your customers. So if you are already online, you'd be able to keep targeting those customers and have an email list, you know, already love email list. If you had an email list, you could just immediately send an email, say, Maybe you took like two, three weeks off or a month off uh, to get ready for the pandemic and, you know, how you're going to move forward after it. And you had just been able to send out an email like, hey, these are our procedures. We're now back open. We're doing X, Y, Z. This is what we did to clean up. This is what we're doing moving forward. And boom, now you got people coming in and then you got word of mouth going again. They're probably telling their friends like, oh, you know, our favorite restaurant back open again. But if you don't have that, it's like, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. So people just need to, they need to go digital. I sent out an email about this. People need to go digital. Like the future is tech. The future is data. Like, so if you got all these customers and you don't even have their data, like you basically have nothing. As you can see now, like people who starting at ground zero, they're going to struggle. It's a huge shift for traditional uh, businesses for sure. The ones that could just rely on not being so heavy online. They're, they're, I think they're hurting the most. They like you were saying they don't know what to do. Since this I can't, is true. Open, I can't open my doors physically. Now they're scrambling. Mm -hmm. Like, oh shit! How do I retain my customers? How do I, you know, keep my brand awareness? And oh shit! I didn't build an email list. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, look, I have two <laughs> liquor stores. Minimum. 
equal distance from my house, right? One of them, I'm on their email list because they they just, you know, type in your email, you get 10% off coupon. So like, you know, as soon as this went down, like a week after I, I left work, they were sending out emails like, hey, we got all the Corona specials. We got this, buy one, get one half <laughs> off. We do delivery. Uh, you can, you can, they have it. You can email your order in and they'll have your package ready for you to go. Things like that. The other liquor store, I don't even know what they got going on, but the, the one with the email list, pa- parking lot's always booming. The other one is just like, you know, the regular, it's just a slow, you know, corner liquor store. So I, I've noticed that just off of being home for like, you know, over a month now, I'm like, damn, that was smart. So now you think about all these restaurants out here that's doing to-go orders, mm-hmm. the ones that had an email list, because I used to manage a restaurant, our email list was like 22,000 deep, you know? The ones that had an email list, they probably were sending out emails. Hey, we're doing pickup order. Hey, we're doing to go. Hey, we're on Uber Eats, Grubhub, Postmates, blah, 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 blah. And then you got the restaurants that never, ever did those, you know, the comment cards, never took down anybody's information. Like if you're in the restaurant industry, you know, comment cards is the number one thing because people will put their information on there and tell you how great or how bad your restaurant is. And if you weren't doing comment cards before and you weren't on Yelp or you weren't on Open Table, you gonna be ass out. I guarantee you not gonna be open by August. I was just telling, I was just talking to Tirza about how, so like the new shift is going to be, of course we have Grubhub, Postmates, you know, Uber mm-hmm. so the new shift is going to be where these restaurants, they build their own in-house delivery and takeout services yep. so they can yep. start owning their data. Yep. And that's going to be a money grab. Anybody that's thinking of a new business idea, if you can, you know, build this product and then sell these small businesses on, you know, if you use this, you get to own your own data. You can control your menu a lot easier. I don't really know. You don't um, have to pay Grubhub fees. You don't have to pay Grubhub mm-hmm. fees. The only caveat would be the advantage with Grubhub and things like that is since they have, they do the the legwork in terms of having delivery drivers for you. But businesses might have to change their business models. The people that you had as cashiers, shit, they may have to be your drivers now mm-hmm. to, to accommodate for how things are about to be. And that's going to be a big money maker. You can make a system where business, small business owners can like own all of their data, have easy access to their customers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you sitting on definitely a gold mine right now because somebody's going to do a better job than Grubhub, Postmates. I'm telling you, it's going to be a new competitor to that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think every business and every person needs Mm -hmm. and will benefit from having an email list. And I think it's crazy, especially if you're on social media all day. It is crazy to me that you are not building a list, even if you don't know what you're going to talk about, even if you don't intend to sell on anything. Having it's like insurance. I'd rather have it than not have it because Mm -hmm. life is life and something is always going to pop off and happen. Yep. And on what Jasmine said, like, uh, the Chinese takeout by me, they have, like, they've always had, like, five drivers, you know, five or six drivers. They've never been on, like, Grubhub, Postmates, or anything like that. They do really fast delivery. And I've been thinking, I'm like, yo, even after this, you know, during this, they're still surviving. They're out here pushing, pushing orders. And that's, it's going to be just like Jasmine said, it's going to be restaurants or, you know, different food delivery services, figuring out their own delivery system, you know, figuring, figuring out their own way to beat out the Grubhubs, the Postmates, the Uber Eats. And that's going to be it because the only advantage that a lot of these um, restaurants and a lot of why they get on there is because when you open up your app in a certain area and they pick up your location, that front page will show you what's in the area. So if you don't already know what's in the area, then there is an advantage to being on, you know, putting your restaurant on there. So consumers can see it. So like when I open up my app and anywhere I am, 
it'll show me all the wing places in the area, all the sushi places in the area, like, because I have favorites, like, these are my favorite kinds of food, and they'll show me, well, Tara lives <laughs> two miles away, there's a sushi place, it's rated 4.8 stars, you know, three miles away, that's the only advantage to being on those things, and those, you know, companies pay for that, just like being on uh, Open Table and being on Yelp and all of that, and uh, what, TripAdvisor, I think is the other one, they pay to be on there, because they want to be on the main, the main page when you go and type in uh, Steakhouse, they want to be the first steakhouse that pops up, you know, that's the only advantage to being on there. Now, if a company comes up with a better way of doing it, they're going to blow all these little food delivery services out the, out the park because these delivery fees getting ridiculous. Shout out to Uber Eats for dropping that fee. (laughs) uh, Cause look, these, look, I I, knew they was tripping. I I am cheap. (laughs) Okay. When I order some food, like I'm like, you know what? I'll drive 15 minutes to go get this food. I'm not paying them 499. I got a Honda. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I will, I will, calculate how much gas is going to cost me in time before I even pay somebody $5. Then I'm going to, I got to tip them on top because they're going to be looking at you like, you ain't tip. What? Mm-mm. If the service fee the tip and all the other shit costs more than my meal, you can fucking forget it. I'll you can forget it. For myself. Right? <laughs> Feed me. Feed me. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it takes. <laughs> just bring it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got mad one time. Mm-mm. Spent like $60 yeah. on sushi. <laughs> I don't I don't ever do the delivery because the thing is I don't know if a lot of people know it but like when you use those apps like Grubhub and Uber Eats the restaurants they barely make any money like they yep. already struggling out here and then you using Uber Eats and Grubhub because you don't want to drive 10 minutes or whatever like you know everything's almost almost contactless you, of course if you're high risk stay inside but like you know, if you can help out these businesses that you really want to support, like it's going to be better if you order direct and then, you know, go pick up the food. Like a lot of these businesses is literally just like putting your name on a bag, leaving that bag like near the door. You walk in, walk out like it ain't no you're not hanging around in the spot like you're literally mm-hmm. just going to get your food and you walking right out. You're going home. They've been so, doing a good job with that, too, though. If you yep, yeah. small businesses, they're really good with like no contact no contact at all so it's like that yeah. that's the thing like you you want to you want i i want to support the businesses i don't want to give all my money to grubhub or uber eats like i don't i don't use them at all like i order direct always so um i just think like getting back kind of more on topic i just think that if you can't get direct to your customers by a push of a button whether that's sending a text sending an email like maybe even doing a ringless voicemail like you're gonna be left behind. That's what it is. Like if you can't easily just press a button and tell your customers what you're doing, you're gonna be left in the past. Like time is changing. It's we moving forward. All that Here's other why. stuff is gonna be the same. You're gonna get yeah. left behind because there's someone else collecting that information and nurturing mm-hmm. that relationship, showing up not only on social media but in their inbox. Uh, in their phone, in their Facebook messages, on their timelines and feeds. And so it takes like what, seven to 10 hits or impressions before someone is like comfortable and familiar with your brand enough to buy, right? So your competitor is willing to put in the work and then what, you're gonna, your business is gonna fail, you're gonna close up or end up selling for what, pennies, nickels on the dollar to your competitor because you wouldn't up your marketing and get with the times. That's silly. Collect data. Right. Data is new oil. You have to have data. (laughs) Like you don't have data. You don't own, like you don't own the data for your business. You have nothing. Like when it's time to set up a close up shop and sell, 
and people are like, okay, well, what, like, what are your metrics? Um, what information do you have on your customers? X, Y, Z. If you don't have any of that information, like your business is like, you don't have anything. Like yep. they better off just going out and finding a business that just has the information or being able to go out and find somebody that's got that information for them. That's what you need. Like, like I said, everything's going digital. So if you don't have data, you don't have those metrics, you're going to be left behind. It's just, that's the way of the future. That's how yeah. I run everything I do. How I consult and advise clients is get off these apps where you can't pixel people or collect emails or get the data that you need for your business. They're collecting it, right? So they're cutting you out of the most valuable part of everything. Mm -hmm. The money's temporary. That comes and goes, right? But you own the data. You own that email list. You own that phone number forever. And you can remarket to it tons of times until somebody opts out, right? Mm -hmm. So it's silly. Like with this whole link tree thing, you're paying for something. Okay, drag me. <laughs> it's, link tree. it's not it's not a bad service but like you can just make a page on your own site you're gonna pay for a site anyway right and now you can collect data from facebook from google uh, i think there's even like a twitter pixel now that you can put mm -hmm. on your stuff oh, and I then like yeah in the in the ads in the ads analytics and then you know own your data own your shit and then your server your host is probably more reliable than linktree right Man, never going down. down. So often, I don't understand that. People would tweet me, um, your link tree is down. Why is it down? Like they supposed to be up. All they do is host links. That's literally all they do. They they go down once yeah. a month. Like I don't know what they be doing. So if you wanna if you have Squarespace, or say even if you don't have Squarespace, to make your own link tree type page, all you need to do is make a text, maybe like have your uh have a description of whatever the category is. Like, so for me, like say if you have eBooks, you can have a text that says eBooks, make a clickable button and then put whatever the name of the eBook is, link that button to wherever your book is. That's, that's all you got to do. Just make a page full of text and, and buttons. And like, cause that's what was holding me up. I was like, oh, I don't know how to do it on Squarespace, but that's all it is. All it is is text and clickable buttons that just go to another website and just mm -hmm. make sure that you're opening up the new website in a new window. You don't want that to open on the same window. Cause like Ari has said this before, people have short attention spans. So say if they forget what they were doing, they can still see like, Oh yeah, yeah. I was on so-and-so's website. I was on Ari's site. I was on B's site. So like they go back and they look at that. Um, but yeah, just make sure you own your data. Like people, they, they're really slacking on that. You can't be out here using these sites that don't let you collect data because if you can't collect your data, like same thing, I had asked the question about hosting a book on Amazon. Ari mm -hmm. made a great point. You don't own any of your data. It's basically Amazon owns all of your data. You don't know nothing mm -hmm. about your customers. Only way you get that Amazon data on your customers is if you like, put some type of um, maybe like coupon or like things to say about this. Okay. Maybe if you put some type of coupon or like warranty type offer in the product and it's like, Hey, go to our website, enter your email and sign up here. So uh, you'll have a, a, a lifetime warranty. I used to think like, Oh yeah, lifetime warranty. But really all they were doing was collecting my email because they can't get the data through Amazon and Amazon mm -hmm. is so saturated. Somebody had told me they book name. I searched it. And they was like way down at the bottom of the page. I couldn't even find it. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> like, then people were like, oh yeah, Amazon gonna give you a lot of traffic. How if nobody can find your stuff? 
Yeah. It's, that's, it's, that's the same thing as like building a website and then hoping Google puts you on page on the first page. There's a whole strategy SEO that goes into Amazon. And like we were talking about self-publishing a book on Amazon and I'll never ever, cause first they have fees and I, I would be paying to drive traffic to Amazon to sell my book and my product to get a percentage of Plus, my book or product. Your competitors are there too. So once right. they go to your page, all it shows at the bottom is, oh, other customers bought this. So now right. you really, that traffic that you just drove to Amazon, you really driving them to your competitor's traffic too. Because mm -hmm. they scroll down a little bit and it has that whole section, oh, other customers bought this instead. Mm -hmm. Like, come on now. I don't want that. Just go straight so to my me, website and buy it. Let me ask. I'm not, I'm, I'm not 100% sure on this. I'm going to ask you guys. WordPress. You can build a, you know, WordPress is free. You can build a free WordPress site, correct? Right. Would you mm -hmm. suggest somebody build like a basic, because, you know, basic, I mean, WordPress is not that hard to figure out. You watch a couple YouTube yeah. videos. They have tutorials. Would you suggest somebody just build a basic WordPress page with links? Yeah, that Squarespace. Yeah, that or Squarespace. Wix, even shit. Wix. Yeah, Anywhere even Wix. that you can put a pixel Mm -hmm. and gather that data right and like i download mm -hmm. and screenshot my data from google analytics and facebook monthly because i don't trust that i'm always going to have access to that you know i don't own those platforms right <laughs> so i screenshot that shit and save it every month so that if something were to happen i at least have proof of my data and stuff i export as much as i can my list anytime someone opts into my email list i have a zap set up where their name and email gets put into a Google Drive sheet. And then once a month, I download that sheet and I store it on my physical hard drive. Like, I love redundancy. I'm not playing. I've seen crazy things happen um, with my emails, right? I write my emails first in a Google Doc and then I go and plug it into ConvertKit, right? Because if something happens, it's not a matter of if, but when. <laughs> I don't want to lose my IP. <laughs> You know, so, um, but you know, whether it, it doesn't matter necessarily, as long as you can put like pixels on these sites and stuff, go ahead and do it. I like ConvertKit because I can put a Google Analytics pixel on my landing page. I can put my Facebook pixel on the landing page. I'm going to put that, those pixels everywhere possible. If I can't, I'm not going to use your service. <laughs> if I have to like use it to send or gather traffic. And, you know, that's, that's just how I move. I want as much ownership as possible and there's value in digital assets. So your website, your blog, your email list, your landing pages, your sales pages, your courses, your eBooks, all of those are digital assets and they're all worth something and they can all be part of your package when you sell your business, right? Or pieces of the package. I can sell a segment of my list because I segment. So, you know, if, um, and I don't, have, I don't have anywhere in my terms of service or on my landing pages that I won't sell your information. I'm probably not going to, but I'm not going to cut myself out of the option of doing so by, you know, by saying that. So it's never, that's not part of my strategy. But if down the line, if I want to sell my brand, I can't list that in my terms of service, right? So, um, most so of these big names, be clear. Most of these big names are doing this. So don't look at Ari like, Oh my God, you might sell my information. You're a horrible person. Like, no, half the people that you've already given your information to, they've sold your information already 10 times over. So this yeah. is like a common practice online. So don't like think like, Oh my God, 
I'm not going to use Ari because she's doing X, Y, and Z. Because I can guarantee you, nine times out of ten, any of the things that you've done online up for. Been yeah, they're all pixeling you. And sold, or you right. realize to manipulate. Everyone's pixeling you. Right. And you can confirm that with like brow, uh, browser plugs and plugins. Everyone's pixeling you. Everyone's gathering your data. Google is doing that also <laughs> every time you use their browser. <laughs> Even in their Twitter. email, Gmail yeah. collects all your email information yep. and they be trying to run ads and stuff like stuff is crazy. Yeah. Yep. Go to your, go to your promotions tab in Gmail and you'll see two little, two little random emails that'll never go away. It's always some kind of promotion, promotional email. And so you know, your, your information is always being ga uh, gathered and analyzed and then it's being sold or stolen and yep. go ahead and read all your terms of service to anything you've ever signed up for. That's the world we're in. That's the game we're in. Yep. I know for a fact it happens. I bought my Honda from CarMax and somehow, some way for the last six years, seven years, I've been on Honda's email list. I did not sign up for Honda's email list. I don't know how <laughs> I, knew I had a Honda, but I put two and two together. I'm guessing. Car, you know, CarMax, wherever you buy your car, they usually ask for an email or something so they can send you offers and warranties and stuff. I'm guessing what CarMax does is they segment their email list to Honda owners and Toyota mm -hmm. owners and everybody that buys a car from them and they send it back to the company that is the, the main company. So I have a Honda. They send me stuff all the time. And I'm actually glad I'm on the email list because they send out like car washes and bring your Honda in for service. <laughs> like I found out two months ago that Honda is now doing contactless service. They picked up my car, they changed my oil, they rotated my tires and they dropped my car back off in the same parking spot it was in. Oh, I need that. And yeah, Honda <laughs> doing it. Honda's Honda service centers, call your service center. They I do, uh, the pick, they're going to pick up your car for you and do whatever you need and then they'll drop it back off. Yeah. Unless you are like completely off the grid and don't use any type of technology at all. We're all on databases and people like Facebook and Twitter you know how we can do ads and targeting because they have our data and information and it's been sold thousands of times over. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah and again, mm -hmm. like, again, I love to do permission based marketing, right? So I'm never, I'm not going to say I'll never sell anything, but like if I were to sell my list, part of the stipulation would be like, well, I need to email that segment and give them a heads up that I am selling it and that, and then I would recommend to you that you give them the choice to opt in to your list so that it's, you know, better leads and you don't get high unsubscribes and your email service gets shut down or you run ads to this segment and get them to opt in that way. Right. So, you know, there's different ways you can go about it, but again, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, burn my bag, you know, over being able to sell my business or my assets. But I think yeah. also everything also is data though. Like you don't even have to give me your email address for me to collect data about you. How you browse on the web is data. The types mm -hmm. of the types of the type of social media website you're on the most is data. Like you could be this person like, oh, well, I don't really sign up for anything. Like as long as you're browsing the web, literally everything you do. There's someone that's getting paid to analyze that. They're getting paid to see how often you click on maybe purple buttons that say blank. Like, literally, it's crazy. The data world, like, if you want to just get a glimpse into how quickly any website or a good website that you go on collects data on you in the first five seconds, take, like, an intro 
digital marketing course. And they're going to give you like, probably the first three things they're going to give you is like, you're going to be like, damn, they get data off that too. It's like some, some like data collection is so subtle. It's crazy. Yeah. Like people don't realize Amazon is spending billions of dollars to make physical stores based off of, um, based off of how people shop. So Amazon is making physical stores and they're going to be recording all of your movements. Like, so say if you're going to, let's say, buy some eggs in the store and maybe you go reach for the medium eggs and you're like, no, I don't want that. And then you go reach for the large eggs and then you're like, no, I don't want that. I want organic. And then they see you took the organic eggs. They're going to collect all that data. That's what Amazon is doing right now. They are studying people's um, shopping habits and their spending habits, and they're spending billions of dollars to, to try to understand you better than you. That's the goal. So, like, I saw that on Twitter where somebody was saying Facebook might be worthless if, like, the internet went down or something. But, like, no. Data is forever. <laughs> like, what? That's, that, yeah. Who the but, fuck you know, said that? <laughs> data, data is forever, right? So, that's what it's all about. It's all about studying humans. If you don't understand kind of like the end game of where companies are trying to go, you should watch Westworld season three or just watch all of Westworld. All it is is about studying humans and knowing them better than them, knowing them better than they know themselves and trying to figure out and predict what they're going to do next. That is what data is for, for companies to predict what you're going to do next, predict what you're going to spend the most money on and try to market you to where you're gonna wanna spend money with them. That, that's why data is so valuable. If somebody can do something to make you spend money, you can print your own money forever. Yep. Like it's and that does this the best. They, Target does this the best. They, they pay people to video, like to watch, cause you know how like every store records everyone that comes in. They pay people to watch how they move in the store. Whether when you go into the store, do you go right or left? Do you go straight? Do you go straight to milk? Do you go straight to clothes? They pay people to collect this type of data. Like, like these uh, was saying, data, like, it doesn't even matter about the internet at this point because so much data is being collected on you that, like, is so irrelevant. That a lot of these companies, like these uh, was saying, they know you better than you know yourself. And they know when you're going to buy, what you're going to buy. And all, and all that's left for them to do is position it so they're the brand you choose. This is how good the data is. They already have data points on your kids or if you will have kids and what you will buy for your kids and your future kids. <laughs> that yep. is how much data they have. Yeah, I mean, they, people use the same email for social media that they use to sign up for email lists on different sites that they use at the grocery store that they use on their member rewards cards and Gmail just is the same Gmail, you know, Gmail's like, Oh, do, 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 got all these points on you. And then they just sell it back to all these other companies. And then they're like, when you get on Facebook, you're like, well, damn, I was looking at that jacket yesterday. How the hell Facebook got an ad for it? You know, or I was looking at it on my phone and now I'm on somebody else's computer and I'm looking at it. I'm like, they have everything. They already know your Google, your Gmail account is attached to your YouTube. They know what videos you watch. They know what the like kinds of videos they watch. That way, when you get on Facebook, they know what videos to put on your page or on your timeline or whatever on Facebook. They know what you like. They already know what you like. That's how the whole, they talked about it, you know, the election. The people that voted for Sarah Palin or liked Sarah Palin videos years ago or thought that she was funny, those are the people they targeted those Trump ads to. It's all right there. 
Mm-hmm. And then they target specific ad types. Like they mm-hmm. send specific videos to that type of person. What's mm-hmm. the name of the uh, documentary on Netflix? What's it called? Uh, uh, hacked? Was it Hacked? Is it? Oh, yeah, I think it. it's called Hacked. I, I believe yeah, it's called they, Hacked. They just target people so they know certain people are more radical. They want the more radical guns in your face, target ads. Like, like that one governor that had that ad. He was running for governor. The Great Hacked. The great hack. Yeah. He was running for yeah, president it. and he sat there in his ad with a rifle in his hand and um, basically had a whole pro guns ad, you know, and it was wild because they targeted it to people that were on the NRA email list and only people on the NRA email list saw that on their Facebook feed. And it was wild because somebody recorded it and then they put it out on YouTube. Like y'all see this crazy ad. Nobody had seen it because it was only for people that were in the NRA because they wanted to point that this ad towards them to make them think that uh, the streets of America are violent. There's immigrants coming over here, killing people in their homes. It it was really wild like that. And I'm like, you guys have to understand that you're being targeted. You know, you like a certain, uh, you like a certain thing. Sorry guys. Uh, You like a certain thing and people just, uh, people just collect this, all this info on you. They like this video. They like fighting videos. They like cooking videos. This person likes videos about cars and then they'll turn it back around and sell it to the car video, uh, the car company or food network. Or if this person likes home improvement stuff, they'll go back and sell it to people that you like do home, uh, home and garden television, HGTV, and they'll target it, those ads towards you. I know this has happened to me. I watch a lot of house hunter house hunters. I watch it on Hulu. I watch it on YouTube. I watch it everywhere. And every time I go, it says, Tara, you missing new episodes of House Hunter. I'm like, wait, I'm on Facebook. How do you know I got, I watch House Hunter. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's wild. <laughs> but it goes that deep. And it, like Ari said, it goes deep as they already know what you about, what schools you're going to send your kids to. They already know what areas you want to live in because you browse Zillow every day while you're at work. They know these things. And then don't forget, your devices are listening to you. Mm-hmm. So your phone's listening. If you fail for getting those free uh, Echo Dots from Amazon, your your dot is listening. Whatever you got in your house, your your oh, and your TV remote is listening too. I don't ever set that up. Like if you got your TV remote, if the voice um, works, that's always listening too. So if you got a smart TV with your TV remote and you like accepted the terms and agreements to like them listening, they're listening into everything and they sell all that data. So with them listening to your conversations, they already know what you're talking about. They already know your future plans. So they know how to market to you. If, if you don't like it, you basically have to stop using technology because we're here. <laughs> we're here. Yeah. We've been here. They've been gathering it. So, you yeah. know. It is what it is. So watch what you Google if you don't want to see ads for it. Because <laughs> uh, let me just tell you, I get so many ads on Google for, you want to buy your, your own silo? You want to buy your own bunker? I'm like, you know what? Just because I was in Prepper Reddit does not mean I want to buy a bunker. That shit look cool though. How much that cost? <laughs> no, they, they selling bunkers for like 25 racks. They'll put it in your backyard and everything. Heating, air conditioned, jacuzzis, everything. Underground. It's lit. Yeah, that's a that's a big business. I saw that on mm-hmm. Shark Tank. It was like mm-hmm. some Shark Tank episode when they were having like bunker type bedrooms. Like you could put it in your bedroom for like fifteen thousand for your kids or something. It was crazy. Yeah, the the panic rooms and stuff. I bet those people mm-hmm. boom business booming right now. Everybody getting bunkers built and homesteads built out in the middle of nowhere. Yep. Was that yeah. it? That was all the questions. <laughs> yeah, that was all the questions we had. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, the monetizing offline one was the last one. Which I mean, you can do business offline. You can definitely make more money. You can definitely make money offline. But uh, if you want to make more money, you're definitely going to get on social media. You're really just like stopping yourself, honestly. Why would you not be where your customers are spending the most amount of time? And please make your shit mobile friendly, please. The majority of traffic now is mobile. So damn, like, come on. (laughs) Shit. Make your shit responsive and check your stuff. Check it from mobile. Use it. And see, what is the experience like? Because some of y'all are like, I'm like, damn, no one thought to look at this. Because this is so annoying trying to buy. And I want to give you money. And, like, I can't. I, I physically can't give you money. This is so annoying. That yeah, like, is- nowadays? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Beast. Oh, well, well the- nowadays, like, so I have, I have something wrong with my, with my site, like on the desktop version. Like, it still works, but something's wrong on the desktop version. I'm like, oh, I'll let it rock because everybody's on mobile anyway. So as long as it works on the phone, I'm okay with it because it's only like 20% of people coming to my site from their actual desktop. Like, a lot of people don't even use computers no more. So everything you're doing, you need to be looking, how does this work on the phone? Like, mm-hmm. off rip. That and for one big turnoff for me is when I go to a site and I look at the top and I don't get the little green lock thing, it just says not secure. I don't know what it is about that that freaks me out, but I'd be like, oh, exit, exit, delete, delete. I don't even want to be on this site. That's just me personally. I don't know shit about cybersecurity. I don't know shit about firewalls, none of that. I hired somebody to know about that. But for me personally, as a consumer, if I go on your website and it says not secure, I'm like, oh, amateur hour, delete, exit out. I, I don't know what it is, but Chuck told me if it's not secure, it's not good. They need to get somebody to secure their site. Jasmine, do you know what that means? You into computers. If what? When the site, when you go on a site and the URL right next to the URL says not secure and gray rather than just being like green and secured, like Amazon. <laughs> it's something on SSL. SSL that handles that, um, that like encrypts. I don't know exactly how it works, but I know it's it's supposed to be like the, I guess like the, the police I guess on the web, mm-hmm. to make sure things are secure and up to web like standards. So usually, but usually it can, it can be like that, like because you can buy domains and sometimes it doesn't come with an SSL, and that could be you know some people don't know that you need both of those. And you could go on a website like that. But I don't know, just it, it just really depends the reason why it's up there. Like it could be somebody just trying to get their website up and they don't really understand. Or maybe they got something built and that person just didn't make sure. But it's basically like to give you as like a user confidence that this website, whatever you're about to do on here, you can you can trust that your your information is secure. See, I knew it was something up. I knew it was something up. I don't trust yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Like, if you ever see that, if you ever see, like, this website's not secure, the SSL is not set up, I wouldn't purchase anything from them because I'm sure that hackers target the websites that don't have SSL but are selling products. So that just means that your data, when it's uh, transported through the internet and they're purchasing, it means it's not secure and it, it's, like, it can be easily hacked. So somebody could probably have like a sniffer and they're just listening, um, look, listening and looking in on all the packets that are going through and they're easily able to just take your credit card information. So, yeah. Oh, like with these, uh, 
most of these platforms though, like I know you guys were saying earlier to people, you can get on like Wick and Squarespace and stuff like that. Most of them that just comes standard, they give you that SSL. So like, you won't have to worry about that, but say you're getting like something really custom that's not on a platform, then that's a case where you can run into that, where someone, where it could be fraud, where they just built, you know, a really quick HTML, CSS website, posted it on whatever, and didn't buy, you know, the SSL to go with the domain. And maybe they could oh. be scamming people. But, um, but yeah, like if you're thinking like, oh my God, I use WordPress, is my site safe? Yeah, um, that's standard with WordPress. Those big name sites, all of that is standard. Um, you'll always have the, you know it's secure because it would be HTTPS. You always yeah. have that S there. Uh, but this is like if you're, I don't know, getting something custom built and maybe you're not on a platform be sure that whatever domain that you're buying comes along with the SSL um, cert. And then some of these domain companies or hosting companies, they give that for free. Some of it's a cost. That's just like some research you got to do. But um, if you're on a major platform, you're, you're probably pretty safe. That's good to know. I always thought that was a red flag. I didn't know anything about it. But to me as a consumer, that was always a red flag. Not secure. I'm like, mm, this doesn't <laughs> seem right. <laughs> this doesn't seem right. Hella suspicious, right? I just learned something. Thanks, guys. What does SSL stand for? I don't know. A secure socket layer. Oh shit! Look at the there go that software engineering coming out. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I'm about to go get into that. I'm about to go look that up now. I'm about to go look at all these sites. Not secure. I'm about to make a not secure list. (laughs) Who? You're gonna have a ton of sites. (laughs) Wow. Now this is this was an interesting little show today. I like the. Where, where we went with the conversation because I think a lot of people needed to hear about um, getting in front of their customer. A lot of people are not in front of their customer. Like a lot of people will be on one social media platform and they won't be like, they'll be on Twitter, but they won't be on Instagram or Facebook or Pinterest or anywhere else. So I think it's important for people to know they need to be everywhere invisible with at least a brand or a logo or something. No, let people know you're there. Yeah, you have to. It's ridiculous not to hang out where your your customers are like why are you making it harder for yourself to make money <laughs> like, it literally doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> uh, wait so know. that that's something good i think all right so you do a lot of coaching what you know what is something that your your coaching clients end up making it like much harder on themselves like something that you think they make it like really really hard to like sell to their customers or just something in in general that they just make it just hard on themselves for for no reason not listening to me okay outside (laughs) of that (laughs) well because here's the thing like i have a marketing background i have a digital marketing background and i worked on launches so i'm in literally watching marketing and sales and hundreds of thousands of dollars of ad spend being spent watching my clients like do crazy numbers on social media. I'm setting up the tracking for where sales are coming from. I'm split testing. I'm setting up the email campaigns. I'm testing, trying things out. I'm tagging people from when they, where they come from, if they completed the welcome sequence, and then if they became a customer, how long it takes to become a customer. So these are all little things that I don't talk about. I just give y'all the condensed, this is the best way to get set up. So when I tell you, suck it up and write your email sequence, I'm telling you that because from what I've seen over the last five years, 
people who go through your welcome sequence are more likely to buy not only faster, but more often than someone who hasn't. And then you add on nurturing your list weekly with good information. And then on social media as well, again, the same things happening, right? So when I, I can already pretty much, sorry, one second, let me get Silas out of here. I love Silas. It's my role right there. (laughs) So I can, I can, whenever I like, I meet somebody or, um, I have a conversation with them, I can pretty much already see like their product offerings, their funnel, how to brand and position them, what type of marketing they should do and stuff. I can figure that out within minutes. So that's why I say like, their biggest mistake is not listening to me. Like I gave someone advice on uh, their graphic design services and how to market them and gave them a ton of ideas and things to do. Recommended that they leverage video right now because video is getting like insane reach for everybody, right? And so I told her, even if you don't wanna get on camera, it still counts if you screen share. You don't have to show your face, you just screen share and you know leverage video and how much reach it's getting right now not listening, posting content that has nothing to do with their graphic design services at all or anything that I suggested and told them to do, not engaging. So of course, like they're not getting any traction. So, you know, the advice I give, that's where it's coming from. And I don't sit here and and explain all the boring tests and setups and tech hell that I went through to like learn this information, but it's like, it's honestly the fastest path to cash. And Bees and Tara, no, I've yelled at them for months to start a fucking email list to get their welcome sequences set up. They they know. They've heard it from me. I got six, over 6,000, by the way. I just want to let you know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ari. I'm, right. I'm, 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 I'm aiming for 10,000 by the one-year mark. You can right. do that. And then, you know, with Tara also, for stalkers only, she almost released that without getting their emails. And I was like, hold up. <laughs> Hold up, put this, make them sign up for it. Make them sign true, up for it. True story. Like three or four hours before launch, Ari was like, this is an open website? And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's going to be like open blog. She's like, you not letting them sign up and just make a login? Hold up. Nah, cancel. Cancel it all. Delete. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ari does that all the time. You'll show her something right before you're about to do it. And she's like, oh no, you're doing yep. this all wrong. You need to do X, Y, Z. And then you got to go back and hurry up and get it done. So then you can still launch, but like she, she really does know a lot of information and just cause she doesn't like talk about the marketing and all the stuff that she did before doesn't mean she doesn't know what she's talking about. Cause like uh-huh. every time I'm like, nah, Ari, that's not it. And she always comes back and tell me, I watched my clients do X, Y, Z, like even with the blogging, like I talked about it last episode, the IG blogging. Like I keep seeing, like now I'm actually clicking more on people's Instagram posts. And I'm like, everybody's writing these long paragraphs, and I, I guess people <laughs> I, I actually read them, right? Like everybody's these doing long this paragraphs short. on the way. Right, nobody reading that. Right, no, I'm I ain't writing no long paragraphs. I don't have time <laughs> for that. So, but like, but yeah, a lot of people are using their Instagrams as mini blogs now. So mm-hmm. it's always, it's always kind of funny to me. Like some, I see people saying they're going to start blogs to like monetize and stuff, but you really need to be on IG creating these mini blogs. So then you can start like, that's really what it is. They like the captivating visual. Then they read your little mini blog and then you can sell to them. So that's people, something that people engage with everyone on social media and follow them and like buy into their stuff because there's always going to be this element of, I want to be like you and, or I want to have what you have or do what you are doing or have done. Right. 
that's people use social media basically for that reason, right? For that element of it. That's okay. how you follow people and interact with them. There's something they have are doing look like, right? That a part of you wants that for yourself as well. So when people, when you can make people feel like you're being vulnerable and like letting them behind the scenes or just into like your mind and insights or how things work, they're more likely to stay and hang out and buy from you because they feel like they're kind of your friend, right? Mm -hmm. And like we see this all the time where people like cross boundaries or get too fresh or friendly where it's like, no, we don't actually know one another like that, right? I've just been sharing stories about my life or my experiences, but it does make people feel like, oh, like, you know, like people, if you take, if I take a step back, right. And look, and I do engage a lot. I do try to get to know, you know, like my audience as well as I can. But if you take that, take a step back, I really have strangers who will go to bat for me and defend me and like rip people apart. If someone is like too disrespectful, right. So I have to be mindful and careful of that. And you see, like, I've really toned it down a lot, you know, in the last few months, because I've seen like, holy shit, like Ari has an army. <laughs> they're they're really invested like they're really down for me like that and like I don't you know I don't ever want anything bad to happen to somebody just because someone's being stupid on Twitter like with the whole Drake thing I had followers sending me people's like personal information as far as like their addresses and stuff and their names and they were behind like anonymous anime accounts right that's that's dangerous <laughs> right I'm like look I, I don't give a shit. You know, they can say what they want to say about it. But, you know, people do get very invested the more vulnerable you are and the more you share. And then if you add on valuable content that helps them to get a result, goodness. Right. And, and just like you were saying about you not having it, like even if you go live, you don't have to show yourself. You can just screen share. Like that was always my thing, even though I still don't go live. But that was my thing, <laughs> saying like, oh, I don't want to show myself on on like these live videos all the time. And then Tears have brought it to my attention. The uh, somebody on Instagram, she always ends up going live, or not even going. She'll go live sometimes, but she does her webinars. She doesn't show herself at all. All she does is a screen share and a voiceover the entire time. And she just cleared five hundred thousand in the first five months of this year. Technically four months because may just started so she made half a million person? yep the six-figure uh, chick she made half yeah. a million in four months and she never shows herself all she does is show her products and what she does and like help people to do the same thing like that that's really all she does it's just it's just teaching so you don't have to get on here showing like everything like when people talk about the the zoom backgrounds like oh we gotta hide our background because it's poverty and all this type of stuff you don't gotta show your screen just put your put the turn the screen off and put your picture up. That's it. You don't have to show your screen. Like it's it's never that serious. Like I don't think it's that serious ever. Yeah, I'm good. Like I don't need to do all that. <laughs> Man, she sick. I, I saw something about that six figure chick. We bees and I talk about her a lot in our group chat. Yeah, she she's been killing. You bought it. this from CC. Bought this from CC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's been killing it. Like she has some real good information and. She literally doing webinars and does not show her face. So like, like that shows me as long as your information valuable, people mm -hmm. going, they going to mess with you. Like they going to rock with you no matter what. Like even with me and Tara, we mm -hmm. were anonymous for years. 
and people still they still find our information valuable we never had to like show ourselves or anything like that if your information valuable it speaks for itself and people are going to resonate no matter what yep that is so true this is why you listen to ari you start your email list (laughs) this is why ari's on my trello board for my next project because i'm like look last time we dropped the website she she nixed it so we're just gonna go ahead and let her nix it in the beginning so we can you know get the shit done You're learning. Wait, Y'all are learning. Wait a week before drop. I seen the Trello board. I was like, is that already? Oh, thank God. <laughs> but because honestly, I look for not like I look for the opportunities, but also for like the holes as well. Or just like I've launched a lot of things from nothing to beginning and seen what an influx of hundreds of thousands of people will do to a system. I've probably used almost damn near every platform and tool there's out there to find solutions for clients and stuff. So it's like you know, my skill set is very diverse. I don't talk about like a lot of the stuff that I've had to do and work on. So it's just like, it's just no, like, well, you know, considering not only what you're trying to do now, but if you wanted to scale, these are the things you should consider and do. Cause a lot of people don't think, I see a lot of recommendations being made by people who haven't had to scale things. I'm like, you know, that tool actually isn't the best if this person wants to grow their business. And then you also have to take in mind, like, just like Ari said, like the experience that people have, you know, I see people recommend stuff on Twitter all the time and they don't even have any experience in what they are talking about. So ask them like, Hey, how have you used this before? I mm-hmm. bet you don't get a response. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. For real. I bet you don't get a response. I mean, that's, that's a question you need to ask somebody before you take somebody advice, ask them, how have you used this? Like, and how did it benefit you? What results have you gotten from this? Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm the first, I'll be quick to say like, look, I don't know that somebody teach me, like I asked them earlier about the, the not secure thing, because it's like, there's people out there that know things and they're going to know a lot more than you. You cannot know everything. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, if somebody is telling you some information, granted, they may have made a lot of money on that. Like if somebody can, like, even if B was to come up to me and tell me about something about some real estate, like I trust B's anything he says about real estate, but I'm still going to go to Google and find as much information on what he just told me, you know, because I want to get a full scope of it. If Ari tells me something about digital marketing, I go listen to Ari, but after the fact, I still do my own research. Like, okay, this makes sense. This makes sense. You can't just take a person's word because you're taking their word. And that's the only knowledge you have of it. You need to go gain your own knowledge and get a broad scope of it because just because somebody's telling you something and their information is correct, you're going to take that and try to run with it and implement it. And it might not work as well for you because you still don't know the full scope of everything. So like mm-hmm. when you see people on Twitter, like, Oh, go sign up for this. Like that, whatever they're signing up for may work great for them in their situation. Like it's perfect. It works. It, it's been proven. It's been tested, but it might not work for you. So you still have to like do your own research. That's my favorite thing about the crypto movement. D-Y-O-R. Do your own research. Even if somebody told you they made a million dollars off this, you go check that shit out. But still, do your research. Right. And then some people act like that's rude to say, do your own research. It should not be taken as rude as somebody tell you to go do your own research. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, Jazz, how do you experience that and what you do? Um, like with, with the websites that you build and stuff like that. Like, I'm sure you have clients all the time that is trying to imitate somebody else's website. And mm-hmm. it really wouldn't even, it don't make sense for them to have a website like that. So I think with a client, it makes, I think I'm a little bit more, I guess, open to breaking things down to them. 
Um, in most cases, I don't think I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> say do your research to them, but like I'll say it to people that <clears throat> like recently, of course, since people are losing their jobs, I've been getting a lot of text messages and stuff like that from people like, hey, you know, I think I want to switch careers now. I want to jump into tech. And they're like, I guess their expectation is that I give them like a one, two, three step plan on what I did. And it's like, it's not, it's so complex now that like, when I say do your research is really because there's so many things that you can do. I can't give you a direct answer on where do I start really necessarily, or how do I get into X, Y, Z, unless you already come with like prepared with like, you know, you like this and you want to maybe do this. Maybe I can, you know, guide you. But in the, in this world of technology, there's just so much like that you just have to learn up front for things to make sense. Like I could say, um, I think you should do data science because maybe your last job you did um, some sort of marketing or something like that. And like, it won't make sense to you because you don't know what data science is. I have no idea what it is. You, I just told you a word that like, it's just to you, it means nothing. But like, if you understood maybe even the basics of it, you could be able to put two and two together and kind of build your own plan that way. So like, like um, um, Bees was saying, like, it's not necessarily disrespectful. And a lot of times it's like people are asking questions that would be like a really complex answer to give to give if you don't really understand like the basics of whatever you think you like or that you're trying to do. Hey, Jasmine, Reach. tell them about the time where Jazz hit me up for advice on something one time. And all I did was give her a list of books. Like that was it. I just read this, read this, read that. Tell them about that, Jazz. Oh, so, well, you gave me books and then you gave me um, like a few websites. They're basically like they were kind of like, um, I don't know, maybe like a, a YouTube version, but like in text. I don't know really how to explain it, but it, it gave me like a bunch of resource and material, a lot of tutorials, um, a lot of information on like how to just do certain things. And so like, I basically asked her like, pretty much like what people ask on Twitter all the time. Hey, what are the best resources for blank? Like I was, I was just like everyone else. I asked Ari, I, I said something along the lines of like, I'm trying to like advance my marketing knowledge. Um, it was like conversion marketing. Or yeah, something, or something like that, right? And so she sent me like books, um, links to like, like I was saying, like these websites that are geared specifically to like digital marketing and, convert, and converting and things like that. And really all I did was I took it, I wrote it down. I wrote down everything that she sent on the phone and then what I did was kind of say like, okay, I'm going to go through each of these step-by-steps and just kind of like understand the basics of at least all of these. And then whatever I'm like, as I'm reading, whatever I go along, whatever really like piques my interest or what I really want to learn more about or where I know that I don't know about, like I'm really weak in this area. I just highlighted that and went back to it. And then the resources that she sent me, obviously like linked to other resources. So I kind of went down sort of like a digital rabbit hole, but I mean, it was just gathering information, reading it, analyzing it, and applying it really. Um, from that, what happened for me was, um, that's actually how I got into the cannabis industry. Like I shot a message um, to the company, an email to the company, and I kind of like broke down um, what I thought their marketing strategy should be. Um, just based on what I knew about the brand. Like, of course, I did some research on the brand and I like the brand. 
Um, and instantly I got a reply. I want to say it was like within like three days or something like that. So then I came in and again, I went back to like the drawing board, everything I got from Ari to like get prepared sort of like for my presentation, like what I'm going to tell them. Um, like I, I kind of refined it a little bit more to like break it down into presentation style. And, you know, I went in there, I did it. Of course they liked it. And I think like when the, within a week or so, like I had my offer letter. But it really just started with me asking her a simple question and then breaking that down into smaller steps for me to really like gather information, understand it, and then be able to apply it and then teach the next person about what I learned or what I think, you know, your brand should do. That's dope. So like you kind of basically she gave you some links to some research to do. You did your research and you kind of came up with your game plan from the research that you did from the books that she gave you. Right. Imagine that. That's right. It's like when people yeah. ask me, like, where should I start? I'm like, look, this is what I typed into Google. And then you just go watch every single video on the first two pages and just keep scrolling and watch everything. And I guarantee you, they will answer your question. Because if I answer your question, you're just going to think that that's the end all be all. And it's not. And what my experience and what is going to be useful for me, what mm -hmm. information to stand out to me is going to be different than where you're at and what would be interesting and stand out to you. So it's not rude for someone to tell you what you should have done from jump, which is Google it like shit. I don't know. I'm not in your business. I'm not in your head. You're not giving me any context or details. So Google it. <laughs> you know, y'all got to ask better questions to receive better answers and stack that with this is what I've tried so far. Mm -hmm. Do you have capacity to help me out with this? Can I book a consult? Like, you know, work with me. Shit. <laughs> Because we can tell off of the questions that you're asking that you didn't look into anything. It's very obvious. It's very, very obvious. And like, I, I think what a lot of people would benefit from is every single question that you have, type it into Google first. And then if you get stumped, like you're not finding anything, then you go ask that question. Because most of the time, like you're going to find your own answers if you actually are on the journey. Most people are not on the journey. They're still on the launch pad asking all these questions and they don't realize if you just take two steps off the launch pad or three steps off the launch pad, you will answer your own question. Like the other day I tweeted, uh, this was yesterday. I think I said, everything is for the free 99 during the pandemic, whatever you courses, software you're looking for is free. People were asking me where I'm like, I don't know. So I literally went to Google <laughs> under the tweet and I said, free classes due to COVID. I didn't even put 19. I said free classes due to COVID. It was three pages from like Stanford, Harvard, uh, course era, um, all Udemy, like all of these free sites, free books. I was finding books on like computer science that was free for download. I was finding courses from eCornell that was free. None of this had anything to do with what I'm doing. I was just was like, look, it's right there. All you have to do, whatever, whatever you're about to ask somebody under their tweet, just type it into Google where free software due to pandemic and literally a whole bunch of software companies are literally putting their software up for free or opening it up for 30 days for people to download. And I'm like, people just don't take that step. They're just on this little launch pad foundation. They scared to hop off the porch, like stop being stoop kid from Hey Arnold and take your big toe <laughs> and step it on the cement right off the, that last step and hop off the porch. Like that's all you got to do. Like people are like, well, where do I find mobile homes? I'm like, dog, go to Google maps and look for mobile home parks. That's all you got to do. And then if you find one park, drive out there. That's your first step. You know what I'm saying? Watch as many videos as you can on YouTube. That's another step. 
if you take these steps, I guarantee you they will answer the questions that you have. And if you have something like really, really, really crazy, then you can go ask those, ask certain people those questions. But when you come to somebody with a, a, a basic question that can be found on the first page of Google, it just tells me that you don't actually really want it. You don't really want to know it because if you really wanted to know it, you would have Googled it yourself. Literally right. Google what you think. It sounds mm-hmm. silly, but literally that's all I do. If that's a question all I do. pops in my head, I put it exactly like that in Google. Mm-hmm. Exactly like, and I can, and I get exactly what I want. Like, don't underestimate, I guess, the power of Google and how they're so dedicated to giving you the information that you want. So type in what you're thinking. No matter how mm-hmm. silly it is, you'll probably land on the exact information that you want. Like before you yeah. think to to ask someone else, like literally put that in verbatim into Google, and you'll land exactly. on what you need. And they have forums and communities for every single thing. Like if anybody watched the documentary on Netflix about the cat killer, the cat killer dude, and they was all looking for him. Did you see the lady? She went and found a vacuum form. She found a vacuum form and took a picture of a vacuum and asked people on the forum, do you know what vacuum this is? And people sent her a PDF file of the actual manual for the vacuum that came out 15 years ago i'm like they got vacuum forms people literally sitting in the community (laughs) talking about vacuums and comparing vacuums so if they got a vacuum form they got a forum for whatever or a community for whatever the hell you looking for because if people on vacuum forms actively i looked it up they actively updated it too like y'all try this new series 3000 i'm like what the fuck (laughs) This is a whole that documentary showed the power of the internet and it it really did and how much if you really put the time in to find us some shit, man, they did better than the police. They Yo, they were looking at blankets. The case. <laughs> they were they looking at blankets. They found yep. a gas station outside his neighborhood. Just and they triangulated his building. They figured out what building he was in. They figured out what floor he was on. But what blew my mind was the vacuum form. She was like, "That vacuum, we're gonna find <laughs> out which country it's made in." They found out. They got it narrowed <laughs> down to the country. They got her the user manual. They figured out what stores sold that vacuum. They found the guy with the vacuum. And that blew my mind. I'm like, yo, anything you want is on the internet. They got a whole forum with, with people that's just talking about vacuums. Yeah, so whatever they, you want to know about, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, they, they, they literally used a vacuum to pinpoint where this guy was in the world. Because at that point, when they were looking for him, they didn't know where he was because they first started with the blanket. Then they moved to that vacuum cleaner once he came out with that video with the vacuum. So with the when he when they found that, like, that's when they knew, like, OK, well, this guy has to be in this country. So then that's when they were able to start diving deeper into it. But, um, you know, if you haven't seen that, it's on Netflix. It's called Don't Fuck With Cats. And it's crazy. Like the Internet is crazy. And if you're willing to do the research and willing to actually start being curious and looking up things, it will take you very far. I just think that a lot of people need to start. Like if you if you want to be successful in anything in life, you can't be out here trying to be spoon fed information because people going to send you the wrong information 99 percent of the time. Or they might send you some information that really don't have nothing to do with you at all. So you got to be able to go onto Google, on YouTube, wherever, and look up your own information and find stuff that pertains to you and your situation and come up with a plan for yourself or just come up mm-hmm. with like, you know, some type of information that you're looking for. You need to be able to find it and learn some stuff on your own. Like don't depend on others. I think a lot of people need to learn how to be independent 
and not depend on others to like spoon feed them information. So once you start out, like Tara and Ari said, start out, start looking. And then once you get stuck, then ask for help. But don't like not take any steps and then start asking for help immediately okay, I, step one. I want to say like, stop being so worried about being wrong and messing up and failing or like trying to figure out what the perfect path is. Your goal should be, am I being curious and what can I learn from this research, right? If you're just open to learning and take all that pressure off yourself about being right or figuring out this big ass grand master plan for your life, like you, when you get old enough, you start to realize when you plan too deep and too detailed, some opposite shit happens. And mm -hmm. the things that you want happen don't ever happen the way that you sat there and did this big ass detailed plan for never, so, ever. It never works like that. <laughs> nah. So I, and they I make just, plans before they even start. It's like they make all mm. these plans for level three and they haven't even started level one. Like people kill me with the business plan thing. Like, do you have sales? Do you know what you're selling? Are, what's you, how are you going to market your business plan for your first two or three years is marketing sales and delivery. That's it. How are you going to market to who? How? <laughs> how are you going to convert sales and how are you going to deliver and do a really good job? Like you mm -hmm. spent, Hey, I spent two weeks putting this business plan together. Can you take a look at it? Fuck no. <laughs> like you don't have sales. What do you mean? What do you mean a business plan plan to do your marketing and selling? Like it's that simple. Yeah. But the business plan is like they, or they'll have like, I want to do an e-com store or something like that. And it's like, they have a whole business plan and like sales, outlooks and all kinds of stuff like that and i'm like yo have you talked to one distributor yet no have you you don't you don't know the uh, the price per unit of what product you're about to be selling how many how many units do you plan on buying if you buy in bulk you know you do have you factored have you talked to anybody have you sourced these things like there's so much that goes into it and a lot of people are just like i want to get to that point where sales it's like there's so much that goes into it before like there's so much that that, that happens that people need to understand that it's not just about making a business plan, filing an LLC and getting a business debit card. And, oh, I got a business. Well, no, you don't have a business. You don't have anything because you have nothing to produce. Like you said, oh, I'm just going to do this. And you never actually started, you know, you never actually went out there and got a deal or went out there and tried to sell a product. You never actually started anything. You're just on level three and you still haven't completed level one. Right. And COVID is going to change e-commerce forever. So people need to really be paying attention to how COVID changed e-commerce. See, I see somebody, I was having a debate. Well, not really mm -hmm. a debate. We were just kind of just talking with one of my friends. He's, he thinks that now like people that wanted to have storefronts and things like that, it's going to be a lot easier because commercial real estate was going to go down. And I'm like, forget a store nobody's going into your store i don't care how cool your brand is i'm not going into your store if I, i'd rather <laughs> just go to a website find what i need and i was saying like uh vr virtual reality is gonna like really play a heavy really role tickle. into e-commerce like we're literally you could be standing in your living room and trying on clothes like a lot of these luxury brands they're already testing things like that out like where yeah. you could try on different shirts pants things like that and see how it would look for you before you make the purchase like Please don't think like, I mean, of, of course, I think storefronts are now going to be um, like a novelty. Like maybe you'll have like a flagship store. That's your only storefront or something like that. Maybe if you're in that city or whatever, where that brand was birthed, you go there and shop. 
but like using a storefront as your main like retail as your main source that's going to be no more right everyone should be switching to and gearing up and learning as much as they can just about the web in general and preparing to to expect most of your sales to come from online sales no more not storefronts yep unless your storefront is in lennox mall next to gucci and the diesel store you will not be getting customers. <laughs> right. <laughs> Lennox is the only mall right now that got a line outside to get in. Uh, and I, I really don't know why, because Gucci is online. And so is Louis Vuitton and all the rest of the stores in there. But you know what? Lennox is always going to prosper just like Fitz. But if your store ain't in those, those kind of like places where a lot of people shop, like luxury stores are, I don't think it's like, it's, it's going to be a wrap for you. Like if your store is in the mall in Gwinnett County, good luck, bro. Like it's not going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, and like Jazz was saying about people um, like trying on clothes from home. My friend, uh-huh. she just bought a whole computer desk setup on Amazon, and she was able to literally virtually see the um, computer chair inside her home by looking at her phone and seeing if it fit in her little desk nook area. Crazy. And then, yeah, so she, like, Amazon's already on that. Like, all this stuff we talk about, Amazon's, <laughs> they, they own it. Like other brands, like big billion dollar brands, they're on that. This is the future. So anybody talking about now is the time to get a storefront, they don't understand where the future is going. And honestly, they just don't know what they're they talking un- about. They're not doing <laughs> any type of research. They're not understanding that millennials are now shifting to the age where we're going to have probably most of our buying power, highest income, right? Like we're we're shifting into that phase where we're spending and we have a what is it called? Uh, we have more disposable income to buy, right? So you have to consider who's coming up as far as like their spending power and how do they prefer to shop? Oh, the majority of millennials are online shoppers. <laughs> like, yep. So to, to say, leave the house. <laughs> guilty. And surprisingly, they're shopping from, Am- from Instagram too. Like they're swiping up on products oh, yeah. on Instagram and clicking those ads. Like a lot of the mm-hmm. teenagers and like young kids, the TikTok kids are calling the TikTok generation. Cause I feel like there's a Vine generation and there's a TikTok generation. The TikTokers, they just want to swipe, click, add to cart and ship to their house. Yep. Easy. Smooth. You're going to. Yeah. And that makes me think about, um, like the mobile shopping, like Tara was talking about. So with Instagram, being able to swipe up, you got a business and your customers can't swipe up. Your customers can't just look at the post and have the little like dots and click on the item and go straight to your website and purchase. You in trouble because that is the future. Just being able to look at something, click on it, add to cart and purchase. And it's there. Like I'll never forget it. I was in the sauna at 24 Hour Fitness and these two dudes, they bought some jeans off of Facebook. Like, we inside the sauna, and they buying jeans off of Facebook. Like, they literally just saw some jeans on the timeline, and it was an ad, or the Facebook feed, whatever. It was an ad. They saw it, and it was like, oh, I like those jeans. They added it to cart. He was like, he showed his friend. He was like, you want, you want a pair of these? And he was like, yeah, yeah, give me a size 32, 33. Adding them both to cart, shipped them to his house. I'm like, who buying jeans in a sauna? Like, but that's that's the generation, and like that's what's happening now. And this was like three years ago. Mm-hmm. So telling you, if you don't got swipe up, you don't have instant quick add the cart, you you're gonna be behind. Like it's a wrap for yep. you. So that's what you need to be doing. You need to get them 10k followers on Instagram. Especially the the influencers over there. 
what they do is they basically they like how they do the, the products you'll have influencers that be like oh i'm wearing clothes by this clothes by that swipe up and the people who sponsor these influencers ads on facebook they literally have swipe up and it'll be a link to their store like i've done this before i've seen i'm like oh damn i love those boots literally like link to the boots right here found the instagram page click on the link in the bio went to the store and was shopping and with it all within like five minutes less than five minutes so it's just like if you're not there like Ari said if you're not available and in front of your consumers and in front of your audience it's not going to happen because me personally if i don't already know of your business right now due to covid i'm not going to know about your business the only reason i know that my hydroponic store is doing you know pickup orders and deliveries because i was already on their email list so like if you're right. a company out there and you're just now starting and you're trying to get in front of new people you got to work 10 times as hard because now people are not coming out as much. They're not going to be shopping as much in stores. They're not going to be out looking for businesses. Oh, those, those ads you didn't want to do. Now you have to do them because you didn't mm -hmm. build your email list and you didn't build your audience. So that is mm -hmm. really the only way you are going to be able to buy your customers back. Now imagine being in business for 10 years. You never did a list. COVID happens. You lose access to everybody. Can't get in touch with them. Now you have to buy your, your customers back from your competitors. Because you didn't want to keep up with your marketing and transition to digital. I'm seeing it happen right. like in live on it, like in person right now, like good businesses are falling, failing and just falling to the wayside because they didn't have an email list. Now that their competitors then started maybe two or three years ago and they've been in business for 20 years. Their competitors started a couple years ago. Their competitor have an email list. Their consumer, their customer hasn't heard from them. Their customer this heard from the competitor though. Well. Yep. And now that competitor has your customer that you've been nurturing for 20 years. <laughs> they have them now off rip because you didn't have anything for them. Now this, this pivot happened. You didn't have anything for them. Yeah. And if you don't understand why pixels and lists are important, it's because when you start to run ads, um, like I've never ran ads myself, but I understand how it works. And I listen to Ari and I, I understand how it works. I've done my research when it's time to run ads and you have to go and try to like target your customer if you don't have what they call a look-alike audience you're going to be spending way more money on ads versus versus targeting your already look-alike audience that you've been collecting over the years so you spend way less on ads to get your product in front of the people that are more likely to buy you about to be like casting a wide net to people who might not even buy from you because you have no data at all like you're just going to be guessing like okay i guess i guess my ideal customer you know uh, and they've changed facebook as a lot you can't be saying like well i'm going to just target people that live in this zip code or i'm going to just target people that live in the city you cannot do that anymore facebook changed that years ago so it's much harder to find your ideal customer on Facebook. If you can't take a list, I think you need about 200 emails or something. If you can't take a list and find a lookalike audience, you're really just out there in the water just spending money. Facebook ads prices have went up too. So that's another thing to think about. And if y'all think the promoted tweets is working, they not. I literally be Xing out of them all the time. Can't stand them things. They don't have nothing uh, to do with anything on my time. I'm timeline. <laughs> right. I don't know who they're targeting. They just randomly end up on the timeline. I usually block. Mm -hmm. I don't care who it is. I usually just block so I make sure yep. I never see them again. Yep. So the general consensus is put your pixel up now. Even if you don't plan on running ads, just put your pixel up now. Let it season. Let it gather data. 
And then if you're in a position where you need to run ads, it's going to be cheaper because that it's been learning, right? Versus if you don't have your pixel up, you're going to be paying Facebook to learn for you before you start making sales, right? Versus, okay, we have the data. Let's just put your product in front of the right person now. And more money in Facebook's pocket that you don't need to. And set up your custom audiences and your lookalike audiences so it'll work. It's not enough just to have your pixel up. That's, that's I don't know what that means. Not me neither. I'm about to go Google that. They all got quiet. They're like, oh, shit. <laughs> let me go, let me yeah. go call Chuck and Rima. I don't know what that means. <laughs> right. Yeah. If you, if you want to see like a visit, visual representation of a pixel, go watch the Black Mirror episode, White Christmas, and like skip to the part where, where the lady has her like little pod and she's going through her surgery. That's a pixel, basically. Just watch that whole episode. It's it's a really good episode. I think it's on season three for Black Mirror on White Netflix. Christmas, yeah. Check that out. Mm-hmm. White Christmas. Watch that, and you'll understand exactly what a pixel is. It's basically just you. Like they're they're just collecting data on you, and they have a whole customer kind of like database just all about you and everything that you do, and they collect. Everywhere you go, everything you do, you take your phone, you walk into a store, they collect all that data. That's you. I'm actually looking it up right now. I'm trying to see what the season it is so we can tell the people because I want people to go see that. It's a, such a good episode. Like uh, White Christmas is season two, episode four. Definitely go look that, that up. Mm-hmm. All right, what you eating over there? She grubbing. That's why I've been laughing. <laughs> I need Got an egg roll? I knew it. It's like ground chicken and a little fried wonton. <laughs> I, I I tried not to cut y'all off this time, but I was hungry. My food was here, so I was like, I'm just gonna. Eat no, you all good. I'm about to go. I'm about to go chef it up. I need to do something like that. Some pot stickers or something. I'm starving right now. Well, who's gonna do the outro? Because my cheeks are full of ground chicken and wonton. <laughs> Uh, I guess I can. It's been real. Thank you guys for tuning in to Four Goats and a Mic uh, with uh, Bees, Ari, myself, Tara, and Jasmine. Uh, we're going to be dropping another episode, I guess. What? We're going to do this every week? Every week? I can commit to next week. Okay, let's go. We got another <laughs> one coming. Got another one coming next week. Uh, you can find us at what? Four Goats, One Mic on Twitter? Oh, uh, yeah. Four, the number four, Goats, the number uh-huh. one. Mike, M I C, at Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter, uh, you can find us if you look us up on Anchor. Um, that's where we host the podcast. We, you can find us four goats and a mic. We're on Spotify. I believe we are on Apple now too, as well. No man, I've been trying to set us up and it's tripping. It's playing. Oh, they be in lane. Well, you know, check us out on Spotify. <laughs> and, right, uh, Spotify. We're gonna free. keep. Right, we're gonna keep dropping this game for y'all and keep you know just talking about things that you guys want to talk about. So keep keep submitting those questions. Yeah, send us some shit to talk about, man. Y'all didn't send us anything this week, so we were just like, uh, freestyle. Shit, it was a yeah, good just add us and send us stuff. Yeah, anything, and it don't have y'all to be always have related. questions. Yeah, just send yeah. us anything Definitely. that's not sexually related. You know, it's not even the women; it's the men that are weird. Like, 
yesterday, some guy tweeted me some crazy shit. I was like, I drink too much gin, help. And he's like, I bet that pussy's wet. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> Look, I didn't tell you. The men are dangerously horny right now. Right? <laughs> they are dangerously horny. <laughs> Shout out to Sham. They dangerously horny right now because everybody's been locked in the house. They ain't been, they ain't been able to get their, you know, see their quorum boo. So it happens. <laughs> They just walling though. They it's all like eight o'clock in the morning going to timeline porn. I'm like, oh, why? <laughs> on the right. east coast. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, y'all need to go outside. But right. it's been real, guys. Catch you Thank you for week. tuning in. Four goats, one mic. We will Bye. be back next week. Bye.